Welcome to the Philia Podcasts. We are the daughters of those women who came before us. It is our absolute honour to have met so many incredible women fighting for the liberation of us all. Our role at Philia is to amplify the voices of those women via the Philia Conference and these podcasts. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team. My name is Mina Adler. I'm a feminist activist and I uh, am a lawyer by profession and I work for a women's organisation called CAYAD, the Association of Women to Support Living, which is a women's organisation located in the northern part of Cyprus, in Nicosia, one of the last remaining capital, divided capitals of the world. And um, we provide frontline services to survivors of domestic violence. Uh, we lobby and advocate for better policies surrounding services for survivors of domestic violence, uh, for legislation improvements and developments. And uh, we also provide trainings to professionals that have contact with survivors of domestic violence. So that's that's quite a busy schedule you have mm. there. Are we talking about a large organisation? How big is Kayad? Actually, um, our staff member is our permanent uh, staff members are only uh, comprised of three women, but we have a board of directors uh, who are very active in their role and engaged, and we have a large member base who are very much willing to do voluntary work for us and when we do get projects uh, we work very closely with the European Union and um, our projects are EU funded uh, which means that we have to provide a percentage obviously with our, through our own fundraising um, uh, but the large majority of the funds are from the European Commission and when we have projects we have project-based staff so at the moment with our project, we have four people in-house and it will be increased to five in a few months. Okay, so um, thinking about uh, women in Cyprus, what would you say are the main issues that they're facing at the moment? Mm-hmm. Well, in 2013, with a project called uh, Women Who Face Barriers, uh, w- Women Who Overcome Barriers As They Face Them, uh, we did a research to identify what the role of women in the community are. And we looked at gender roles and gender stereotypes and uh, we looked at their opportunities and uh, the resources that they, that they were able to access. And I think some of the main indicators that would briefly uh, give you an insight as to the, the profile of the Turkish Cypriot women is, for example, we asked a thousand respondents, a thousand women, if the man and the woman were both working, who ought to be home first? And 83% of female respondents responded with the answer of the woman. Another important indicator, I think, is that we asked the, the women, would you prove if your son fell in love with a divorced woman? And uh, 90% of them said no. So we can see through that research study that the gender roles are very much entrenched in the belief systems of the society. When we look at other indicators, for example representation, we can see that Turkish Cypriot women are very much underrepresented. Uh, only four out of 50 MPs previously were women. And then there was a change in the political parties legislation that required a 30% quota in the parties. Uh, for their candidates and that maintained that the representation was increased to 9 out of 50 so it didn't reflect the 30% quota I was going to say my maths isn't great <laughs> yeah. but that's it didn't reflect it. Is it? No. it didn't reflect it but it was a dramatic increase mm. from 4 to 9 which yeah. is I, I understand that it's sad to boast about 9 out of 50 but it's an improvement mm-hmm. but it shows that we have a long way to go 
uh, in addition, when we look at other rights, for example, maternity leave, uh, it's very minimal. We have 54 days before the birth and 54 days after the birth. So that's approximately four months. And if it's a premature birth uh, and it's unexpected at seven months, for example, they lose the two months prior and they only have two months after for example. When we look at uh, the earnings of women, we can see that in general women earn less than men, like everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. When we look at the property, we see that uh, men own most of the property. And then finally, and a very important indicator for us, was a study that we conducted in 2015 within the scope of the Resistance Against Violence project, which was where we first met standing together. (laughs) And in that study, we saw that one in three women were exposed to physical domestic violence since the age of 15. And something even more dramatic that came out in the results was that in the first question we asked the women, have you ever been subjected to any of these physical violences? For example, hair pulling, pushing, punching. Uh, And one in three say yes. But in the second question we ask, if you haven't been exposed to this violence yourselves, have your neighbours or your friends been exposed to this violence? Have you heard them? Have they recounted this directly to you? And 99.5 say yes. So we can see that there is a, a disparity there and that women aren't actually comfortable to even talk about the violence that's being perpetrated against them at the moment. But also obviously showing that it's it's part and parcel of society in some ways that disturbingly normalises the incidence of violence in women's lives, doesn't absolutely, it? Absolutely, absolutely. And we are uh, progressing in that regard, slowly but surely. Uh, What I can say is because it's a divided island, our island was divided in 1974 um, and uh, because of the status quo in in Cyprus, uh, the northern part of Cyprus is considered legally to be under the, the occupation of Turkey. So there is a state that's called the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus that's recognised by Turkey only. No other country recognises the TRNC. And so this has a lot of political implications in terms of the economy, in terms of other human rights aspects. And uh, as it is everywhere in the world, but somewhat more uh, becomes a more difficult issue, is that women's issues are constantly considered as peripheral issues. So the main issue is the Cyprus problem. The main issue is the division. The main issue is the effects that it has on the economy, the effects that it has on the environment. So we're constantly talking about these issues as primary important issues and then anything related to women and women's rights and women's uh, rights policies are constantly regarded as peripheral. Uh, women against, violence against women was not considered as an issue in our country for a very long time, in the northern part of Cyprus for a very long time. And that's why we didn't have a women's shelter. Uh, so five years ago we had no women's shelter, we had no legal aid, there was no uh, police unit within the police force that dealt only with um, uh, survivors of domestic violence. Um, and through our uh, intensive lobbying and advocacy uh, and raising awareness on the fact that it's a real issue that affects so many people, uh, now these exist. So the Turkish uh, municipality, Nikosia Turkish municipality, opened a shelter. The uh, social services have allocated a budget for legal aid and the Prime Minister has uh, allocated uh, responsibility to the Research and Development Unit of the Police to establish the Violence Against Women Unit which happened on the 25th of November 2018. So it's very new. 
But it is actually quite astonishing that within five years, so much has changed. And I know a lot of that is because of Kayad and and the lobbying that you've been involved in. And um, not just internally, but also, as you say, working with Europe to get funding into Cyprus to enable some of that work to happen. Yeah, Um, uh, some of it, I mean, obviously, a lot of it is to do with the European funding, because we wouldn't be able to do the work that we did if we didn't have the European funding. Uh, but in addition to that, we were we became members through the projects of Women Against Violence in Europe, the Wave Network, and uh, we also get in touch with uh, other organisations that do similar work to us, like Standing Together, and we're able to then exchange. So when I came here today, alongside the things that I learnt in regard to the content of the trainings, I also felt the energy of my sisters doing the work here in the UK and um, that energy alone in itself is actually a boost and a motivation for me to keep doing the work that I do and it it makes me feel like I'm a part of a global network Uh, and the solidarity that I feel there especially in this area because it's such a lonely area and there's so much resistance all around us and wherever we go the police the the social services the health workers um, there is a huge amount of um, scepticism around civil society and they see us as the meddlers as, as people that don't really belong they don't understand why we're doing it and it's not our role because we're not police officers we're not health workers we're not teachers so who are we and why are we doing this work and there's this constant resistance and we're very much uh, isolated and we have to, to to fight against it a lot of the time and we have to start from scratch A, B, C explain what our situation is what our cause is why we do what we do what our ambitions are what our motivations are and when, as soon as I walked into Standing Together and I saw all these beautiful strong women I just felt like it was an area for me to breathe and I really felt um, that strength um, and, and Women Against Violence in, in Europe Network they have a slogan Women together are power, and I, I really felt that yeah. power. And, uh, and, and perhaps we should explain, although I've got my filia hat on at the moment as a volunteer right. um, <laughs> uh, interviewing you, you're here today in my day job with Standing Together, and we've yes. been working with, as, as you mentioned earlier, we now have this, this new police unit in Cyprus, and a couple of the police officers have come over here for some training. Yes, right. So you've spent two days with two, two days. male police officers. Three days, the day Three days, the end of my yeah. third day. Uh, we spent two days with the safeguarding team at the Brent uh, Wembley Police. Uh, today was our third day. And uh, I mean, I think for me um, today, one of the lovely moments was, um, and we won't go into um, you know the various things that were discussed, but one of those frustrating moments when um, you know we kind of as feminists recognise that um, something's not being understood, and we just looked at each other <laughs> and really needed to do no more than that because we both understood exactly what was going on and could support each other in that moment. I mean, moment. We, we didn't know each other beforehand, and we only um, liaised with, you know, we, we corresponded through two or three emails, Yeah. Um, and um, we were able to sit across a table and look into each other's eyes and literally have a conversation Absolutely. without saying a word. In fact, we were able to say other things, um, and I was able to simultaneously interpret whilst we were having a separate conversation just through the way that we were looking at each other, and I think that's amazing, and... Um, I just I'm so thankful and so grateful for all these organizations like Filia and Kayad and standing together that make it possible for mm. us to, to have these platforms where we can communicate with each other and we can gain from each other's strengths mm. and weaknesses and, and learn from each other's weaknesses and and develop our work uh, so that we provide services and support to uh, the, the community and, and the women. 
Do you find it in Cyprus, and you were talking about the, the research that you did, I just wondered if you're noticing any difference in the younger generation. Is there more of a, an appetite around women's rights with the younger generation? Or, you know, sometimes what we find in the UK is there's almost a, an assumption of kind of, well, we've got rights, haven't we? Um, in Cyprus, it's very much like that. In northern Cyprus, it's very much like that. And there is a backlash as well. Mm-hmm. We can feel it. Uh, I think with all of the conservative trends in the world, uh, we can feel the the kind of regression uh, when it comes to women's rights. And, you know, we spend so much time advocating for something and then it's just uh, considered by even the younger female generation uh, is taken for granted, really. Uh, for example, I recently had, uh, I was invited to a panel conference with a Greek Cypriot, a Turkish Cypriot and a UN officer. Um, and uh, they w- were talking about, uh, my Greek Cypriot sister was talking about um, the importance of quotas. And then the UN officer who wasn't coming from a feminist uh, background mm-hmm. said that, you know, we don't talk about quotas anymore. We talk about special temporary measures. And I just felt there as, even though somebody who is, you know, relatively younger, I just felt that that was um, such... Um, uh, it was just not fair to, to use a different terminology because my sisters for decades have been struggling to uh, to explain what quotas are and quotas have gained so much for us uh, and we have been able to gain so many more platforms through th- this understanding and through this struggle and then now to abandon that, to use a different terminology. I mean, why would I do that? It would. It, I kind of felt like it would... Um, disroot me from my from my my obligations to to the the people that have been giving in the struggle for such a long time, yeah. um, and so yes, I I really uh, believe that um, uh, women's rights issues constantly need to be drawn to the core of the political agenda because there will be a constant effort by the masculine patriarchy to push it to the side, and it needs to be an ongoing effort. Um, otherwise, the minute we take a break, yeah. we we skip back ten years. Um, yeah. It takes us. It has taken my organisation. I remember when I first started uh, to work for my organisation as a volunteer, uh, fifteen years ago. My I told my boss that I kind of thought that women's organisations were um, a waste of time, and that if we wanted to make change, we had to have a political revolution, and that I didn't understand what all this women's organisation malarkey was about. Um, and she said, and, I, and there were times when I would get very frustrated, and she said, look, to be able to measure the impact that you have had, you need to wait 10 years, and then look back at what you have achieved in 10 years and then see the difference. And I would say that this is essential for anybody that conducts studies, uh, efforts in this in this regard. Yes, it takes us ten years to take one step, but the minute we take a take a breath, we are it, it could it could throw us five years back. So we need to constantly drive forward, uh, drive against the resistance. Mm, absolutely. And, and you mentioned earlier about language and how things are changing. Again, I think that's something that's that's really important that we remember and use the language of women's liberation um, rather than everybody being equal because that's two things are very different, aren't they? Absolutely. And it's so easy to say that we all want equality. It's the easiest thing to say in the world. But when it comes to sharing the power, nobody's interested. So we need to talk about that. We need to flag it up. We need to address it. And I'm very much for um, including men in the struggle. But we need to... Uh, all be clear as women that we are we need to lead a struggle 
to to share the power because the power is not in our hands it's in theirs and we need to struggle to to share it because they're not going to willingly give away something that they have absolutely and and we were um we were talking earlier and, and I was amazed actually in the the time period that Kai had been involved the, the differences that you have made um not just in you know providing practical support uh, for women that might be experiencing violence but also at the sort of like the decision maker level as well how you've influenced change there mm. could you tell us a little bit about that well it's all thanks to the president of our organization because uh, she has a very diplomatic approach like you do <laughs> which I was able to see today uh, which I think I I'm working on it but I'm not there and I think it will take me a long time to get there I, I don't think it's something that um, that, that comes easily you really need to work on that level of diplomacy because she um, is uh, her name is Meral Akunju and she constantly uh, makes an effort to demand things that may seem quite absurd to people initially like why are you asking for that they're not going to give it um, but she's always very diplomatic about it and very uh, persistent. And uh, this organisation was established in 1998, so 22 years ago. And um, um, she has been demanding for things since. Um, and she also does a very good job of congratulating um, policymakers that do. So... Uh, when things happen in our community, like the the police unit, for example, uh, we congratulated the prime minister, and the whole the community did not think that Kayad was behind that. It's the, the prime minister, and when the mayor set up the women's shelter, nobody thanked Kayad. They thanked the the mayor, and uh, the president of our organisation also thanked the mayor. <laughs> so I I would be there like, what are you doing? Like he didn't he you know they did it because we've been pushing for it. You know why don't you thank us like Kayad? But, but no. That's not how it works, you know. Uh, she um, she gives great appreciation to the to the people that do to do then um, implement the policies, uh, and I think that's something to learn from, and that's how it works. And also, just you know, we are feminists. I am a feminist, um, but we don't um, identify as feminists all of the time, and we also make sure that when we're when we have large scale um, events, we also invite the the men of the community, the leaders the male uh, members of the community that have a voice mm. because we understand the value in um, integrating them into into the thing that we're trying to do. So recently we had a walk, a demonstration um, on the 25th of November and uh, the Prime Minister walked with us, the President walked with us, the Mayor walked with us, there were, there were many... Um, uh, male, in my opinion, patriarchal journalists yeah. that worked with us. And there is a value to that. Mm. I mean, it's very valuable for women to march uh, as women, mm. uh, but it's also valuable for, for men and women to be able to get together when we're trying to drive for policy change. And the, the policy change that we were trying to drive there was the domestic violence legislation, because our country, I mean, in the northern part of Cyprus, we don't have a domestic violence legislation at the moment. It's drafted, it's not... Mm. Past yet, and hopefully the next time we're here in London, <laughs> I will be able to say to you, it, we've, yeah. we've got it done. I have a feeling with your persistence that it will be. We hope so. <laughs> we hope so. So um, we talked also very briefly about Filio. I, I hope at, at some point we can welcome you and um, some of your sisters from Kayad to the conference, um, and perhaps come and talk about some of the work that you're doing at the conference. That at, would at be some excellent. State. We would love it. <laughs> and so, hopefully with Brexit we can, because. Uh, 
if Brexit happens, uh, we will not be able to come to the UK anymore for trainings because the training, mm. uh, we are funded by the European Union and the European Union only fund us for activities that take place within the European Union. And I think it's a great shame because I think yeah. the United Kingdom has a lot to offer uh, in terms of uh, training for all of Europe. So it will be, um, it's going to be sad that we won't be able to continue Absolutely. that Absolutely. I have to say, we, ha- we haven't quite given up the fight yet, but we <laughs> might find a way Good out of you. it. <laughs> so hopefully we'll, we'll continue. But thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been so, uh, so great working with you today. And as you say, I hope we get a chance to do it again soon. Thank you.